Well, we told you we had something very special for you on the Down and Nerdy podcast this week, and we have it because Grodd demands it. It's David Sobolov, the voice of Grodd, and Drax from Guardians of the Galaxy. David, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How's life? Life is good. It was we, you know, just covered you know San Diego Comic Con, and I bet as long with also with you, we're pretty beat from it. Just four days, of just nonstop covering and twenty four hours of coverage. You know, I wasn't able to go this year, and I heard that you saw the first episode of Guardians of the Galaxy. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, it was just you uh, saw it before I did. Yeah. <laughs> well, we were actually performing. We weren't actually at the con. We were covering it from Virginia Beach, but from what oh, I was okay. seeing, yeah. I'm, so, so we missed it too. So don't feel bad. Yeah, don't feel too bad. But from what we saw, like they, a lot of people were at the at the panel were chanting Guardian, like Guardians, Guardians, and they showed it, and everybody just lost their proverbial shit. Okay, that's awesome. So you you weren't physically there, but you could see it somehow. Did no, somebody, it, like did somebody it, periscope it or something. We, no, we, it was. <laughs> yeah, we were basically playing off of everybody else's reactions that that we were oh, getting okay. on Twitter and stuff. Yeah, we were covering it. Well, it see everybody thought we were there, and that's good. Yeah, well, I like yeah, that. I was I was watching your live Twitter. You know, you were. You were Yay! About somebody it. was paying I attention. You were actually there. <laughs> <laughs> somebody was paying attention. That's great. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're not the first person. A lot of people have like been messaging us, like, "Are you guys actually there? We should meet up." And we're like, "No, we're in Virginia, and we're just that damn good." We're we're, we're getting there. We're getting awesome. there. Uh, but we did want to ask you. I know you've been to San Diego Comic Con before, and other than the panel stuff that you're a part of, what's been your favorite part of the experience of actually being there? Well, meeting the fans. When you when you run into somebody that is cosplaying your character, for mm-hmm. me that's super fun. It's nice to take a picture with them and say hi. I saw you retweet a bunch of that, even though you weren't there. I saw you retweet a couple of people that were Drax and yeah, there I was, think a, there was Dra- a Grod I saw, there. Well, I only got one. I got one Drax and one Grod. There might have been others, but I oh, there was an amazing Groot. Did you see him? Yes. Yes. Wow, yes. that guy spent a lot of time on his costume. Yeah, they can't. They really have to take a lot. So, as you know, Dave, the Hall H is pretty much the place where everybody goes, you know, to, right. to get all the big news, all the big panels are there. Would you ever, have you ever camped out to see a Hall H panel before? Not really. Um, I've been there a couple of times because I've had specific things I had to go do. The first year, there was a show called Kaijudo yeah. that I went to, to promote. That was like four years ago, three years ago. And then I went back for the Cartoon Voices panel last year. And not really a camping out kind of guy. I'm sure it's it's super fun, but not really my thing. If you never had, done it either, yeah. If you had to camp out for a haulage panel, like, they, like if you were just going there, just to go there, and you could choose to camp out or, or at least go to any other panel, what would it be? If I could go back in time, yeah. Um, I wonder if Firefly was there the year they were on. <laughs> oh, I bet they were. I bet they were. I would maybe not maybe not Hall H, but yeah, that was one of my favorites. You and a lot of people. I keep saying that we need to get Nathan Fillion off Castle, and we need to get we need to get Firefly back. It's got to happen somehow. I was in Serenity, so I have a bit of a connection to it. Yes, you were. Yes, there you go. Was. So you got a little bit of a personal connection. I'm sure you've also got a personal connection with Drax because a lot of people might not realize you've actually played Drax before in Ultimate Spider-Man and Avengers Assemble and Hulk Smash. Well, how fun is it to work with a character like Drax? Well, I like Drax especially because he. He's kind of a guy where he's, he's, he's intelligent and he's engaged, but he has a different way of, of seeing the world. So if you don't speak literally to him, he doesn't understand you. And it gets really funny because he's – well, here's the challenge too. He's not dumb. You don't want him to seem dumb. You know, If he doesn't understand you, it's not because he's dumb. It's because he's just from another place and time and he doesn't really get it. But then it becomes really, really quite funny because it, to us it's a pun. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, exactly. And James is also the master of puns, Dave. I'm the king. I'm the king, <laughs> man. So here's a question that you're talking about Guardians. When, like, before the movie came out, or just when they announced the movie, and people are just, you know, it makes billions of dollars in the theater. Were you surprised by the success of this one's pretty much little known Marvel property that and all the success that it's having? Well, I think the secret to Guardian success is that it's not taking itself so seriously. Mm-hmm. It's just having fun. You know, it's 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 not sticking the mud in. You know what kind of has to. It's a brand new thing for most people. And if it doesn't if it takes itself too seriously, I don't think anybody would have played along with it. Because you know, Star Wars, you know, there's this forty year history of it. But you know, and you can and some people take it super seriously. And this was a complete unknown. Yeah. And also the people they cast in it, of course, you know, were, were a lot of fun. Oh yeah, that that mm-hmm. definitely that works fun. out. I'm sure that'll work out for the Guardians of the Galaxy animated series as well. Talk about the people that you've worked with on the cast. What was it like to work with such an amazing cast on that show? Well, we have a really good rapport with each other. We actually uh, like each other as people uh, as well as the characters we play, and that makes a huge difference. You know, if you if we're having fun in the studio, you're having fun at home. It's totally true. You can't fake that. You take it as a big benefactor of that because I know, like, when certain shows are recording, certain animated shows, they have like one person's in the booth and like three others in a different booth. They might not record together. So that's pretty much just how very much important is that to have all those people in the room together when you're doing a show like this? It's kind of like an old time radio play where you're you're playing off of each other, mm-hmm. and the show is so much better if everybody's there. And maybe a lot of people don't know this, but in animation, we do everything in advance. So the voice is first. Mm-hmm. The voices mm-hmm. first, and then they animate to that. Uh, and yeah, if we can all be there, it's the best thing. And most of the time, we are. Now, you've also done a lot of work in the video game world as well. You were in Dragon Dragon Age Origins. You were Lobo and in Injustice. You've also worked in Halo and a heck of a lot more. How different is it to work in the video game world as opposed to the TV and movie animation world? Most of the time, in video games, you're by yourself. So you know, you there's this thing that I learned. I, I studied with this teacher called Sanford Meisner many years ago. Mm-hmm. and his thing was living truthfully under given imaginary circumstances. And you can't get much more imaginary than if there's not even anybody else there to talk to you, and you have to just imagine everything that's happening and make you believe it at home. So it, it's definitely harder to do you know, from a, an acting standpoint, I think, than, than animation, because it's, it's, really, it's all on you. Plus, in animation, they'll send us the script a couple of days before, but with video games, almost always we walk in cold. Wow. As somebody who's voiced stuff myself, and I know Nick has too, that is not easy. No. You know, I, I worked on, um, I, I thought of this while I was doing Star Trek Online recently. You know, we've, I'm, I've been involved in that in the last year or so. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you walk in, here's the script, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of backstory, there's a lot of um, place names. You know, you want to know how to pronounce things properly. So you'll, if you see that in the script, you'll ask, but... Sometimes I would just take a chance uh, on that and other games too and just say, okay, can I actually just jump in completely cold mm-hmm. without even reading the line first and see if it works? You know, almost <laughs> never. You usually have to read it over at least once. You got to have a blooper reel though, David. Exactly. Well, I don't know. Uh, somebody does. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the internet. So here's the thing. Like, you know, you mentioned you go in cold. Do you think part of that for video games was they might want to see maybe you improv a little bit some of the lines that might not be on the page? 99% of the time, in my experience, there's been no improv at all. 
Really? I only had, wow. I only had one game once that asked me to do that. And it was, it's, it's hard to improv when it's cold. It's easier to improv when you know the backstory. But if you just mm-hmm. added 70 pages of something, <laughs> you, you don't know what it is. So how, you, you can't riff on something you don't know anything about. Oh, yeah. That's so, a good point, actually. Yeah. I mean, now here's the thing, too, is before you get these, these roles, you know, with Grodd and Drax and all these characters throughout your career, describe to the people who might not know what it's like for as a voice actor to, the, you know, describe the audition process for them. Is it more like, you, like a normal audition where you go into a, a room and you read, or is it more like in radio where you have to, like, send somebody an audio file or an MP3 of yourself and they have to go from there? Well, every show is different. Uh, for Guardians of the Galaxy... Uh, they sent me, if I remember, this is a while ago, because I've done a number of guest appearances as Drax, even way before the film came out. So mm-hmm. I think they sent me a picture of it, and no, you know what? That was a super secret one. They sent sides to read. I knew that it was called Drax, but nobody had heard of Guardians of the Galaxy, so you know it wasn't like something that anybody would have kind of tweeted or texted about. But when we actually we didn't know it was we didn't know it was Guardians of the Galaxy, <laughs> not that we would have known what it was at the time. But then we got a we had <laughs> yeah. a call back. You know, I did it at home. You know, I have a home studio. I recorded it at home. I got cast. I went there, and we we just started doing these guest shots. And when we finally got to the actual show, it was two or three years after I'd started doing the role. I had to re audition for it. Oh wow! There was wow. no guarantee that I was going to get it. And of the five of us, I'm the only original cast member. Wow. Wow. Well, you're doing something right there, buddy. Yeah, well, um, Michael Clark Duncan was the original Groot, and unfortunately he passed away. Right. Uh, he did the first couple of guest shots. and He was very good, too. He, yeah, he's fantastic. It was one of the last things he ever did before he went into the hospital. And, and from what I heard, I talked to the engineer, and they said he was very totally dedicated to, to being great. You know, he, he, didn't, he was not an arrogant guy at all. Mm-hmm. He was really dedicated to doing it well. So yeah, um, yeah. Then we had the callback, and at the callback, uh, most of the people by then knew what this was. So uh, they gave us envelopes that were sealed. You'd open the envelope, and you'd see what you were auditioning for. And there were non-disclosure agreements. And I was told this sounds kind of. It sounds like that show Chuck. Remember Chuck? Oh, yep. I loved Chuck. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Loved it. Supposedly, they installed microphones and cameras in the lobby of the studio where we were auditioning in case anybody tweeted, texted, or made a phone call about it. Wow. wow. Talk about super top secret. Yeah. <laughs> it, it really is. Well, you know, this is there's millions of dollars at stake for these people. And um, I was this was explained to me this way once. They, they said, Marvel's in the excitement business. Mm-hmm. And they know how to create the excitement, and it's really up to them. It's not up to us. I'm a guest in their house. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. You know, no so doubt not, about not, it. Not my house. <laughs> not my character. <laughs> well, speaking of houses, we're going to switch gears to a different house, and this time we're going to talk about The Flash. And anybody who knows about The Flash over the years knows all about Grodd. So how great is it to bring a character like that to life on the screen, and how excited are you for any future possibilities? Well, the, the first wonderful thing is that this is the first interview I've had about Grodd. The first question is usually, what's it like to play a gorilla? Really? <laughs> and you know what? He doesn't know he's a gorilla. No. No. That's just what people call him. And, uh, you know, and it, it kind of points out prejudice, too. It's like they offer him a banana. He's like, Grodd hate banana. That's Grodd right. Hate, you know, Grodd hate banana. Oh, there oh, it yes! is! Yes! Yes! <laughs> <laughs> or it's, more, it's kind of more intense, probably more like, Grodd hate 
banana. Oh, dude, oh I got chills. <laughs> uh, I, I just want. Oh my! I'm a, I'm, sc- I'm afraid for my life right now. <laughs> so in that voice, I just want you to read me a bedtime story. In that voice, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be able to get to sleep if you read it like that. <laughs> Once upon a time. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see what Grodd gets into this season. Yeah. yeah it, was, uh, it was just announced yesterday officially that Grodd is coming back. I, I gotta yes. be honest though, were, were you a little bummed when they made the big announcement and said that Zoom was gonna be the big bad and not Garad? Well, I kinda already knew. So I wasn't really that surprised. Well you're being crypt you're being cryptic with us, that's why I was wondering. Yeah, well <laughs> we yeah. were going back and forth. Yeah, because I couldn't you know, you can't it's say like, anything you can't say anything you know in public oh, until oh, we somebody knew. announces it. Yeah. We so knew, I, but we're like he aware, knows something. I was aware of that, but I couldn't tell anybody. Yeah, I mean, Grodd is just one of those guys. Like when I told James, when we first saw him in the in the trailer for his episode, and even when they were teasing up to him, you never really saw him. You saw all the marks and everything else. It was just you knew something big was going to be coming. You knew it was just going to be amazing. So, you know, what was you know without going to maybe I don't want to dive too much into your methods because I know I know some actors and some voice actors might be a little bit um, protective of that. But when you go into Grodd, what do you do? Like, what's, How did you get that voice when you first got the role of Grodd? Like, what kind of preparation did you do? Well, for me, it's not about even putting on the voice. The voice develops based on the character. And the character, to me, had uh, a lot of mystery to him, but he was lonely. He's this lonely guy. Mm-hmm. He's, he's developing. His intelligence is, is growing. He was created in a lab, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, what he was before isn't what he is now. You ever, this, it's kind of old-timey reference, but do you know about a movie called Flowers for Algernon? Yes! Oh, yes, actually, yes. I read the book. It was one of my favorite books, actually, re- to read growing up, too. I kind of think of it that way, because he he came from very low intelligence. He's getting really high intelligence, and it only has it can only go up from here. Mm-hmm. And I don't totally know his backstory yet, because the canon of the show is very different than the canon of the comic books. That is true. Very true. You know, as far as I know, you know, I can't predict the future, but... I don't think they're going to go for a gorilla city. I don't know for sure, but that's a lot of CGI. Yeah, that is a lot of CGI. <laughs> I, I would agree. I'm not sure that they're going to go quite that far, or maybe they create it and make it like a Planet of the Apes kind of thing. That's kind of what I thought that they might do if they decided to go that route. But then it doesn't, unless they write it in that direction. You know, we had Wells creating him as you know he calls him father. You know, so right? It's, it's a totally different canon. Oh, definitely, yeah. Did you see the fan art today that I somebody sent me that I reposted? I did. It was amazing. It was very funny. Yeah, with the reverse flash as the dad. It was. Funny. Oh yeah, I <laughs> saw that earlier. That was great. With the coffee cup. I loved that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I. You know, it's interesting because I I can speculate along with you what's going to happen in second season. So let's speculate together. So okay. re- Reverse flash. Zoom is also a reverse flash. Yes. Mm-hmm. At least in the canon of the comic books. Could he have some relationship to Grodd? Maybe. I don't know. That's kind of what I'm guessing. Yeah, and it depends on which version of Zoom they're going to go for, because remember, they're introducing Wally West. They're also introducing uh, Jay Garrick. So there's a version of Zoom, and they get, they need to kind of pick their lane. And once they do, I think that's what we'll know what the relationship with Grodd is going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we'll find out. I mean, if they go the Hunter Zolomon right, then what do you do kind of thing, you know? So we'll just have to wait and see. It's, is, it, is it kind of cool for you not knowing in a way? Well, yeah, yeah. Um... And in fact, on this show, they're not going to send me scripts for shows for, um, well, they will sometimes, but they won't usually send me scripts for episodes that I'm not in. So there may be holes in there of things that I don't even know about. Wow. Interesting. 
You know, there's a lot of confidentiality in these things. Oh, exactly, exactly. Just, just like over at Marvel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, where would you like to see them take take Grodd? I mean, you know, you, you know, we mentioned that sometimes they might not send you a script you just said, and sometimes they will and whatnot. But what do you? I mean, we speculated, but what would you, as the guy who is voicing Grodd, like to see them do with him at, coming into the second season? I, I just want him to get a little more intelligent so that he can start having more complex relationships. I mean, he's fine the way he is now, but it's going to be interesting seeing his journey of intelligence and journey of anger and journey of, you know, why he's doing what he's doing, mm-hmm. you know, cause I, I get the sense he's probably being controlled by Wells, but Wells never existed now. Right. Right. So where do they go with that? And that again, opens up another question. I know, you know, can, can Grodd still exist if, if Wells never existed, but then does the timeline get altered in the present because mm-hmm. of him not existing. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Because the, the abuse by Eiling would then still exist, you would think, correct? Yeah. I think that I imagine that relationship will continue. And, and did you know, very few people know this. This is the second time on film that I've attacked Clancy Brown. <laughs> <laughs> That's very interesting. On a live action movie called sparks. It was a, uh, kind of a dark noir, uh, movie that I did a couple years ago with Clancy Brown. I was on camera in a lot of makeup, you know, a lot of prosthetic makeup, but I bit his finger off. Wow. Oh, nice. And here I am attacking him. Poor guy. And he now, just, he's just <laughs> going to be break. He's just going to be afraid every time you walk into a room now. Well, we're either going to have to have a three-peat and do another something like that we, we create so that I can attack him again, or he's going to have to get his revenge on me in the next movie. Uh, you're already up two, though, so... Yeah, it's kind of like... You ever see, remember that old cartoon, Dave, you had was the sheepdog and the, the wolf or something like that? Yeah, the Looney just, Tunes they, cartoon, They, they yeah. would punch the time clock, and they would just... Yeah, you know, like, morning. <laughs> so it's got to be kind of like that. Wiley Coyote, yep. That's yep. what it was. Yeah, that <laughs> and, may be uh, the situation. So speaking of cartoons, what were some of your favorite Saturday morning cartoons when you were growing up? It was all about Looney Tunes for me. Yeah. Nice. Stuff. All the Bugs Bunny stuff. I, when I was a really little kid, uh, CBS would show that on Saturday mornings. And I liked the super old ones, the 1930s and 40s ones. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. And I would always look. That's how I learned Roman numerals. I would look at the bottom of the Looney Tunes cartoons and see the year. Wow. <laughs> see, kids, you can learn from watching television. You can learn from watching television. But also pop culture references. You know, they had, uh, there, were, there were episodes where um, they would kind of lampoon the stars of the day. And then I would kind of be curious about who they were and ask my mm-hmm. parents. And, mm-hmm. Well, also they had uh, an episode too in the forties where I think it was Bugs Bunny and he uh, like it was him in Germany and he was kind of like fighting against the Nazis too. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they showed that one on Saturday mornings. No, <laughs> no, I don't think they did. You catch you know, it in reruns every now and then, but my favorite all-time uh, character is uh, the, that Michigan Frog. Hello, my baby. Hello, yeah. Buddy. Everybody's doing the Michigan run. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Every and Jane and Ruth. Yep, I like. And that. there's your audition reel for anybody that's listening that just wants <laughs> to make that happen because I'd like to see that. Why not? Oh man, I yeah. want to. I want to take you back into your current world a little bit because I I can't help but wonder. And I wasn't going to ask. I'm going to ask now. Worlds collide. Drax face to face with Garad. Who wins and why? Go. Ah, well, I think the lawyers win because it's two different companies that would probably never really want to be together. (laughs) (laughs) It's the crossover that will never happen. That's right. Uh, I think Grodd wins because of his telepathic ability. That's fair. 
That's very fair. I think that's fair. I mean, if the Flash can run from miles away and he can just hold him back, you know, he tries to punch him, he just holds on to him and he falls to the ground. Um, a lot of power there. So if you, so if Mentally have, and physically. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So if you were to have one superpower, what would it be? Me, personally, I'd like yeah. to be able to fly. Why is that? Because it's fun, man. See, yeah. that's what I said. When we had the same conversation, <laughs> that's exactly what I said. See, I say super speed, but I don't know. I have, I have one arm, so maybe flying is a little bit tough for me. Well, super speed is problematic that's because um, you have to have super hearing and supervision and all those other stuff that you would have to have to not smash into everything. Remember yeah. the first episode of The Flash? First couple episodes, he yep. was smashing into stuff. And I remember the laundry truck. Oh, yeah. The laundry was truck was great. So, something I want to ask them, because I'm, I'm hoping that this season that they'll bring me up to the set, because I don't know for sure if they will, because I record in Los Angeles. They're shooting in Vancouver, so I don't get to interact with them. It would be fun. I want to see a scene where the papers fly. That's kind of my favorite thing in the whole show. That would be whenever, cool. Whenever he leaves Star Labs and the papers fly, I just want to see like the little, like the, the puff of air they use or something. I don't know. It's just funny to me. <laughs> that, that that, it's all about that practical look too, and the practical effects with, with movies. Uh, so you also, growing up, I, I was a big fan of Beast Wars, and uh, you played a character fr from Beast Wars actually. And my question to you is, uh, you actually played Depth Charge. So yes. if you could transform into any animal or car, what would it be and why? Any animal or car. Yeah. Um, I think a snake. I would like to get the snake's perspective on things. <laughs> nice. Because that's <laughs> well, just an unusual thing to anything. be. anything. Yeah, it's kind of fun when you just open your mouth, put it in, and it digests itself. It just, you can put a car, <laughs> there, we'll combine the two. I could, I could open, I could be the snake that opens his mouth and um, takes in a car. And try there to you go. That. There you might, go. Might be a little high in iron, but you know. <laughs> well, it's yeah, always like, good to get your minerals. Yeah, yes, yes, get, definitely get, is. Yeah, that, that snakeskin interior. <laughs> <laughs> so before we let you go, there's one question I need to ask, because you've been very fortunate to play a lot of great roles already in your career, and I'm sure that there's more looking forward. What's the one character that you look at and you're like, you know what, I would love to tackle that character someday? I've always wanted to play Batman. I can hear it. I yeah. really can. I'm not just saying that. I can totally hear it. I have auditioned for it several times, but I think... There's a youth to it. It's like it's gravitas, but it's kind of this, this gravelly thing. Not quite there, but I'll keep trying. Yeah. I'm just saying, DC's doing the killing joke, apparently, coming up. And uh, yeah, I could, I could see you, I could, you and Mark Hamill together. Come on. I, I would love it. Oh, definitely. So Dave, Would it be great if, great if Mark Hamill came back on The Flash and Grodd got together with him somehow? Yes, let's do that. Yes. yes. Trick Come on, together. Come on, Warner Brothers. Come on, CW. Let's make it happen. Oh, man. So, David, where can people hit you up on social media and check out some of your stuff? My Twitter is my last name backwards, Volobos. And I have a Facebook fan page that is called David Sobolov Voice Guy. And my website, I'm going to be revamping it, but it's Sobolov.com. So but the best place is probably either Twitter or the fan page on Facebook. And for anybody that doesn't know, The Flash is going to premiere on October the 6th. Of course, any episode that Grodd's going to be on, we will let you know immediately. And Guardians of the Galaxy, the animated series, is going to premiere on Disney XD on September the 26th. It's David Sobolov, the voice of Drax, of Grodd, of many more of your favorite characters. Thank you so much for being on the show this week. Thanks, guys. It was a lot of fun.